I want to speak as the Spirit of God would help me from a verse that you will find in the 78th Psalm and verse 9. The children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bow turned back in the day of battle. The children of Ephraim armed and carrying bow turned back in the day of battle. I have called this subject contenders or pretenders. Contenders or pretenders. And I want to draw four very necessary lessons from this text. First of all, I want you to notice that pedigree is not power. Pedigree is not power. The children of Ephraim had the best possible pedigree. They were the blue bloods of the Hebrew race. Historically and traditionally, they were elevated above all the children of Jacob. Ephraim was Joseph's second son. He was born during the years of plenty down in Egypt. And if you turn with me to the 41st chapter of Genesis, you will find that at his birth that Joseph called him Ephraim. Verse 52 of Genesis 41. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So his name means doubly fruitful. And from Ephraim, the second son of Joseph, the line of the tribe of Ephraim came. Now Ephraim had an older brother called Manasseh. But Ephraim the younger was preferred before the elder. And if you turn with me to Genesis 48 and verse 5, you will find that Jacob said to Joseph, And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, though this he didn't say Manasseh and Ephraim, 
And that's the order they should have taken by order of age. But he said, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt before I came unto thee into Egypt, are mine. So Jacob took them as his own. But if you come down to verse 13, you will find that Ephraim got the special blessing. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim, in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. And Israel stretched out his right hand, and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, but Manasseh was the firstborn. So he should have taken his right hand and laid it on the head of Manasseh, but instead of doing that, he laid it on the head of Ephraim, and he crossed his hands over and he blessed Manasseh. We could say that blessing only comes by the cross. There is no other way to blessing. But I want you to notice that Ephraim had a special plan. If you turn over to First Chronicles chapter 7, you will find that the great Joshua came from the tribe of Ephraim, First Chronicles chapter 7, and you will notice that over and over and over again that this tribe is picked out for special blessing and as a tribe of special significance among the tribe. First Chronicles chapter 7. And uh, verse 20, you read about the sons of Ephraim. And when you get down to verse 27, you find that Joshua, or Jehoshua, was the eighth generation from Ephraim. Now, if you continue to study the tribe of Israel, you'll find that Ephraim's Allotment in the land was second only to Judah, the royal tribe. You'll find that in Joshua chapter 16. And you will also find that Shechem was given to Ephraim, Jacob's original parcel of ground, and Jacob's well, that the two mountains that were most important to Israel, Ebal and Gerizim, both these mountains fall into the lot of Ephraim. And you will also find more important than them all that Shiloh, the place where the tabernacle was first pitched in the land of Palestine, that Shiloh fell into the lot of Ephraim. So Ephraim was a privileged tribe. 
And if you go on to study the history of Ephraim, you'll find that it was a tribe with great influence. And in Second Chronicles chapter 28, you will find that it was the influence of the tribe of Ephraim that got the whole nation to obey the word of God's prophet. So here is a tribe with a great pedigree, but pedigree is not power. The children of Ephraim, armed with bows, turned back in the day of battle. And couldn't we say that of the present situation today? We have the Church of Ireland in this land. It makes strong claims to be the ancient Celtic Church. It traces its pedigree down to the first preaching, it says, of the gospel in Ireland. The Church of Ireland may have pedigree, but it hasn't power. The Presbyterian Church can boast of its great revival preachers, of its living stones and blares, its fine founding fathers, who in the early days spread the flame of the pure evangel across the counties of Antrim and down. It can talk of Henry Cook and of the great 59 revival that originated in its Connor congregation. It can boast of its lineage down to Reformation times. It has pedigree without power. The Congregational Church can talk of the men of the ejection. It can point to the John Owens and the Thomas Goodwins of history. But by far and large, the Congregational Church has pedigree without power. The Baptist denomination can boast of Spurgeon and its evangelical succession. But alas, today, evil times have fallen upon the Baptist Church. And as Spurgeon said himself, the downgrade is upon them. The brethren who boasted in their separation from apostasy have today, alas, given in to the apostasy. And many of their assemblies are riddled with the new English Bible and with the ecumenical evangelism of Billy Graham and the rest of the ecumenical E evangelism that's abroad today. These denominations of pedigree without power. God forbid, my brethren and sisters in Christ, that this church that the Lord has called into existence and has so signally honored and blessed, God forbid that we should ever boast in anything of our own May God always help us to make our glorying in the Lord. But it's only by that that we shall come. And let us not think that we have any monopoly of the Spirit of God. And let us not think that we alone can do the work that God has called us to. For if we don't do what God has called us to, 
God can raise up from these very stones living testimonies to the power of the gospel of Christ. The children of Ephraim carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. Pedigree is not power. I want you to notice that armor is not order. These men were armed all right. Have a look at them. It's well Chichester Clark hadn't been a or They wouldn't have had any bows at all. Seventy-eight. Psalm 78 and 9. The children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows. You know, the bow was specially mentioned as the weapon of the sons of Joseph. Turn over with me to Genesis chapter 48. And in Genesis chapter 48, when old Jacob gave the blessing to his son, he had a special blessing to give to Joseph. Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. And if you turn over a little farther to the next chapter, you will find that this is what Jacob said of Joseph. Verse 24 but his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. So the bow was specially given to the sons of Jacob. Joseph. They had the right weapon, but they failed. And let me say to you this morning, there are many evangelical churches, and they've got the right weapon. No, oh, they've got the Word of God all right. And you couldn't challenge them on the fundamentals. And they believe this book from cover to cover to be God's infallible Word. They're like the children of Ephraim armed and carrying bows, but they never used it. Don't you notice what it says? Have a look at it. Spirit of God makes no mistake. It says that children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows, they never fired a shot. And there's a lot of evangelicals believe the Bible, but they never use it. They carry the sword in the scabbard, and in the day of battle, they are found one thing. Armor is not order, and pedigree is not power. And we need to learn the letter killer. Oh, there's men who know this book. There are men whose knowledge of the Word of God I would covet to have. And yet when it comes to the practical work of soul winning, and the practical work of fighting the apostasy. These men are like the children of Ephraim. They carry bows, but they turn back in the day of battle. My friend, this book that we have is a practical book. 
You need to hide it in your heart. But you need to have it in your hand as a weapon to use against the enemy. We have got the book. Let us use it. You know, in the day of battle, there was 7,000 hadn't bowed the knee to Baal, but they were no good to Elijah. He stood alone. And it's no use people saying, we're with your brother in spirit. I can't preach to spirits. I want to tell you this morning, we need to be openly identified with those that fight the battles of the law. Let us identify ourselves. Let us say, Lord, we know your word. You have saved us by your grace. But, Lord, I don't want to carry the sword. I want to go forward in this day of battle to the place of victory and to the place of power. Armor is not armor. Let me tell you something else. Pretense is not defense. You know, these people didn't stay at home when the trumpet sounded. Oh, no. They didn't say, we're not going to go to bat. We're going to put up our feet on the hogs and have a comfortable time. Oh, no. When the trumpet sounded, they went forth to the battle. And when the regiments of the armies of Jacob marched forward, Judah and Simeon, and the rest of them there was a tribe of Joseph. Yes, oh, they were there. They put on the pretense, but pretense is not defense. Let's learn this. Oh, you can pretend to fight. There's a lot of God's people shadow boxing today. There's a lot of God's people pretending to be standing for God. But when it comes to the confrontation with the enemy, they'll not be there. There's a whole lot, you know, of so-called Protestants, and they're wonderful Protestants when the doors are shut, and when they're at the conference table, and when they're passing a little resolution against the Pope. My, they're really strong. But I want to tell you when the battle comes, yes, sir, and when there's garments rolled in blood, and there's sacrifices to be made, and imprisonments to be endured, and slanders and lies to be faced, will not be there to face it. No, sir. Here the children of Ephraim, armed and carrying bows, turn back in the day of battle. I wonder, are we prepared for this battle? You know, when you go to battle, there will be losses. When you go to battle, there will be hardship. You remember old Paul? Of course, Paul was an extremist. Paul was a man that went to the extremes. You know, he was so extreme that the churches that he founded in Asia, and he was the founder of the whole Christian church under God in Asia, when he was lying in a prison cell to go to get his head chopped off. There wasn't a church in Asia stood with him, and he founded every one of them. He, he wrote from the prison cell, and I think that's the saddest thing he wrote. He says, all Asia is turned against me. He was an extremist. Couldn't keep up with Paul. And Paul said to Timothy, Endure hardness. 
Nothing easy about this battle. You'll not get any laurels down here. The worldling will not be shouting for you down here. They'll be saying crucify. It's the way the master went. Should not his servants tread him still? If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, what will they not call his servants? Pretense is not defense. The hosts of Ephraim were beautiful in the parade square, but they were new, no use when it came to the battle. And the last lesson I want to draw from this text is entrance is not exit. You know, you can go into the battle in great metal, but it's not the way you go in, brethren, it's the way you come out that matters. And these people, as they marched in, my, they were a great crowd. And they said, we're the sons of Joseph. We of the ark of God in our possession. We of a great lineage. And they marched in, the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. But when the confrontation took place, and when the enemy pressed their advantage against the Ephraimites, I see that fine body of men turn and cast away their bows and flee in confusion from the field. Entrance is not exit. You know, my opponent on the band side, he said he was going to tear me to pieces before the election started. And I made a statement to the Balamina Observer. I was just looking at it. I cut it out and put it in a little book just to keep an eye quoted the proverb of Ahab. It's a very good proverb. Let not him that put his on his armor boast as he that taketh it off. And I want to tell you, friend, don't do your boasting before the shots are fired. Just wait till the end. There's been many a preacher and many of God's servant and have started well. But their exit was a tragedy. Brethren, pray for me that I'll finish my ministry well. I would rather go to heaven today in the battle than last for another thirty years and despoil by my afterlife what I have attained heretofore. Better to be cut off early and to have finished the course faithfully than in the end to despoil by one act the whole of a life of service. How often it has happened. Let him that standeth take heed lest he fall. Isn't there a lesson for us here? Pedigree is not power. Let's remember that. Armor is not ardor. Pretense is not defense. And last of all, entrance is not accent. 
May it not be said of us what it was said of the children of Ephraim, but rather may God make us man and woman who will say at the end of the journey, I have fought a good fight. Ah, there's nothing like a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. That's the end down here. But henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. May that a crown adorn every one of our brides as we have been faithful to Christ and love, love his coming again. And bless his name, he's coming. And the clouds of glory to call us home to be forever with the Lord. May God bless us for his name's sake. Let us pray. Father, we thank thee for thy presence. We thank thee for thy word. We thank thee for the challenge of this book. We humble ourselves. We are nobodies and nothings. God, take pride from our hearts. Save us from every advantage that the devil would try to get at us. And oh God, help us to do justly and love mercy and walk humbly with God. We thank thee for what you have done in this church. God, make this a church with spiritual men and women who love God with all their hearts. Keep this preacher true to Christ. Keep this pulpit clean for yourself. And keep our whole sister churches in our little group of churches fair as the sun and strong as the moon and terrible as an army with banners. For Jesus' sake, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.